January 18th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, today's narrative will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 22 through 45. As we said yesterday, we'll read about victory. Jesus is the stronger man who has invaded Satan's house, overcome him, taken his weapons, and is now claiming his spoils. Put on the armor and join him in his victory. We'll read about neutrality. Beware an empty life. It's a standing invitation for Satan to go to work. In the spiritual war being waged today, you cannot be neutral. You're either for him or against him. God can forgive all sins except the sin of rejecting His Son. Now, something very important for us as believers, God's children cannot commit an unpardonable sin, for all their sins were forgiven when they trusted Jesus. And now, let's begin our reading here today in the New Testament. January 18th, Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 45. Then a demon-possessed man, who was both blind and unable to talk, was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed. Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? They wondered out loud. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom at war with itself is doomed. A city or home divided against itself is doomed. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by the prince of demons, what about your own followers? They cast out demons too. So they will judge you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Let me illustrate this. You can't enter a strong man's house and rob him without first tying him up. Only then can his house be robbed. Anyone who isn't helping me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Every sin or blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which can never be forgiven. Anyone who blasphemes against me, the Son of Man, can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes! How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good words from a good heart, and an evil person produces evil words from an evil heart. And I tell you this, that you must give an account on Judgment Day of every idle word you speak. The words you say now reflect your fate then. Either you will be justified by them, or you will be condemned. One day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove that you are from God. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, faithless generation would ask for a miraculous sign, 
but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. So I, the Son of Man, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will rise up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now someone greater than Jonah is here, and you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba will also rise up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, because she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And now someone greater than Solomon is here, and you refuse to listen to him. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and clean. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And the Lord whom ye seek. Now let's get this straight. Why did you come to this conference? Did you come to see miracles? Did you come to hear prophecy? Why did you come? Did you come to meet God? The Lord whom ye seek, and I'm seeking God. I'm not seeking miracles, as good as they are, or prophecy, I'm seeking God. You say America needs God. No, she doesn't. She need, the church needs God. If the church gets God, America will soon feel it. You know, it seems everybody's broken in America, but the church isn't broken about it. The one thing that alarms me in America and England is that there is no alarm in the church. Most of you can't handle the light you've got now. Why should you hear more? And I believe God is holding back until like that thing David wrote this morning, Lord, I can't live another day without the fire of God. You need the fire of God to pray. You need the fire of God to see visions. You need the fire of God to recognize there's no help for us. I don't want to cry as I've done so long. Like David in Psalm 80, Oh, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, Lord, don't stay there. Come down here. We need God here. Does it matter if it breaks your heart today? You're going to have million, millenniums in eternity. There'll be no sorrow there. You can't patch up your prayer life when you get to the judgment seat. You can't sacrifice when you get to the judgment seat. You can't weep when you get to the judgment seat. It's all between here and there. This period we're in now is a dressing room for eternity. That's all it is. You need God this morning. Some of you have disobeyed God all the week. And this is the day, the valley of decision. You'll go back more after today than ever you've done in your life unless you obey God. As I said to you more than once, I'm troubled every morning I wake up for this simple reason. I live in a world, I live in a world that has lost its way and a church that has lost its voice. That voice has to come. You think the devil isn't a clever guy? How he tricks people, he never shows them the end. He just showed them the beginning. The church has never faced the challenges it faces now. God's going to give us a new breed of men. And every time in that prayer meeting I would say this, Lord, at the judgment seat, don't stand there in your majesty, 
and read the record of my poor life and say, Son, I had many things to tell you, but you couldn't bear them. You were too occupied. Your ears were catching other voices, but not mine. That's why that damnable TV has to get out of the way. You're hearing more about men than you hear about God. You're getting more vision that's television than you are about the vision of the Almighty God. That's all got to change. I believe many of you are going to a new lease of life from this meeting. You'll be amazed when you wake up. You'll be amazed how the Bible speaks. You'll be amazed how the Holy Ghost speaks. You'll be amazed how all your interests in other things are withered. Do you want to disappoint God? I don't want to disappoint God. I disappoint some people, I'm sure. But one thing I want to live for, Lord, I don't want to disappoint you and I don't want you to be disappointed in me. Once you've seen that throne, these thrones don't matter. Was it in a year that King Uzziah died, got kicked off the throne? That Isaiah saw the throne of God? Who did he see on the throne? Read the 12th chapter of John. The vision he saw uh, in Isaiah 6, I saw one hand lifted up and his glory filled the temple. He saw Jesus. That's what it says in the tr And you know, when you see Jesus like that, you'll be blinded to everything else in the world. I can read Hebrews 11 every morning and it knocks me on the floor in tears. By faith, not by organization, not by money, not by scholarship, by faith. I don't want a warm heart, I want a heart on fire. And if you don't keep fire going, it goes out. He says, still let me guard the holy fire. Then he says this awesome thing, enlarge, inflame, and fill my heart with boundless charity divine. So shall I all my strength exert and love them with a zeal like thine and turn them to a pardoning God. You see, he's not asking for a theological definition. He says, I want a fire. Listen, if our God is a consuming fire, and he is, if he takes a residence in you, you'll burn till you die. God won't die in you. And all he's asking you this morning is to let the walls down, let the fire in. I can't live in coldness anymore. I can't live in blindness anymore. I can't be indifferent to a dying world. Every preacher who has lost the fire, you should be on your face down here. You used to burn, but you got so busy with organizing, the fire has gone out. Come on. Say, God, consume in me everything that's unchristlike. Consume in me everything which hinders God is brooding over us. Don't insult the Holy Ghost. That's revival. When you can't sit through the meeting, you feel you've got a burning cancer. If I don't get to the cross now, I may die before the meeting's over. He stood at the door in Revelation and said, If any man will come, I don't care how backslidden you are, how disobedient you are, there's enough fire in the Holy Ghost to burn up every bit of dross in you, every bit of unbelief, every bit of failure, every bit of coldness. God needs a torch of holy fire in your house. He wants a fire in you to read the Word of God to your family. He wants the fire of God your neighbors will know.
Yes, Father, come, come afresh, come in power. Glory to God, thank you, Father. Yes. Yes. What does it matter? Surrender everything. This is music. Oh, you say. To some, of, to some of you, I'm sure, at this moment, to some of you, this is chaos. I'll tell you, it's music in the ears of Jesus. Lord, let these men bring life where there's death. Bring freedom where there's bondage to drugs and prostitution. Dear God, many of our people go to church every Sunday. It's only a custom. They don't want God. Find some people that want God. Find some young men in Hong Kong who've been to hell and back. They're just about worn out. But Lord, you lift the beggar from the dunghill and make him a prince unto God. It's purging you and stamping you and claiming you for his own. You'll never be the same after this morning. I won't. Some of you are held out on him for five or ten years, and this morning he's got right in your life. Listen, you can give Jesus a lot of joy this morning for the simple reason he's coming for a bride, he's not coming for a widow, he's not coming for the church in its lousy condition, which is poor and wretched and naked and blind, and don't care however rich it is. We refuse to let the devil throw the dust of time in our eyes and blind us to eternity. It's either going forward or backward after this. We refuse to go backward. It's a late hour. Lord, you either come in mercy or come in judgment. Dearly beloved, live on the Bible as you've never lived on it before. Eat it. Tell God every day, make the book live to me. Make the scriptures become alive. Let them captivate my mind and my interest. Let them become first. Let business become second. Let friendships become second. Get deep into the word. Psalm 16, verses 1 through 11. You have taken a giant step toward true Christian maturity when you can say to the Lord and mean it, My goodness is nothing apart from you. We'll read about good fellowship here in Psalm 16. God's people are not perfect, of course, but we should delight in their fellowship and not in the fellowship of the world's crowd. The world needs our witness but we must take care not to start loving the world. We'll also read about good counsel. God gives wisdom if you will ask Him. God teaches you in the darkness as well as in the light. And we'll read about good hope. Now this passage is one of the few in the Old Testament dealing with resurrection. It refers to the resurrection of Christ, and that is what gives us our hope. 
Psalm 16, verses 1 through 11, a Psalm of David. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. All the good things I have are from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Those who chase after other gods will be filled with sorrow. I will not take part in their sacrifices or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance! I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is filled with joy, and my mouth shouts his praises. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your godly one to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence, and the pleasures of living with you forever. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 32. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. Do not plot against your neighbors, for they trust you. Don't make accusations against someone who hasn't wronged you. Do not envy violent people. Don't copy their ways. Such wicked people are an abomination to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly.